You're listening to a podcast from Victory. Learn more about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus in week five of the Apostles' Creed. We are now in week five of our current seven-week series, the Apostles' Creed. And for today's uh, objective, it is for us to know the significance of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So that we will live in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. I know that we have shown that video earlier, but why don't we once again just read the Apostles' Creed all together. Let's do it now. One, two, three. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. Third day, He rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there, He will come to judge the living living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Our goal is not really to preach on the creed, but to preach on the scriptures that is behind the creed. We will just use the creed as a jump-off point to preach the Word of God. Okay, so again, uh, there's no intention of preaching the creed, what we have just read, but rather using it to preach the Bible. Creeds do not hold any authority in and of themselves, but rather they point outside of themselves to the ultimate authority of the Word of God. Do you believe that? Okay, this coming week, as Pastor Ryan has mentioned, you know, we are once again, the nation is once again entering into, I don't know if we call it a celebration, or we call it a vacation, or we call it uh, whatever. This coming week is what we call the Holy Week. Do you understand that? Something that most people think as significant, but in reality, we do not know its value or its real sense. Have you thought about that? You know, I grew up in this kind of culture where every time, you know, every summer, probably March, April, uh, there's what we call the Holy Week. And every time that the Holy Week would come, I would just remember the beach. I would remember the, you know, the, 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 the fun, the eating. But there's a particular day in a Holy Week that you cannot move, that you cannot talk, you cannot laugh. What else can't you do? You can't take a bath. We're entering to another week just as ordinary as any other week. But again, we claim that we have to be and to act as holy. Holy or holiness is not confined in a particular week. We are called to be holy all the rest of our lives. The moment that we have received and claimed that Jesus Christ is our personal Lord and Savior, we are expected to become holy. This is a custom and tradition that most Filipinos observe. But again, we do not know what is the meaning of what we are doing. I remember some of the traditions that we've been doing in the past when our grandparents were still alive is that we would go from one church to the other praying the same prayer. And until that we reach a certain number of church and then we would say, okay, this is enough. 
so that we can have our Japanese dinner. Because when you eat Japanese, there's no meat. You can't eat meat during Holy Week, but you can eat tempura, tempura fish, not tonkatsu. That is meat. Going to church, hoping to complete. Okay, we cannot talk loud. As I mentioned earlier, we cannot laugh because Christ is dead. Christ is dead and we have left him dead. And can't do so until the following day or up until Sunday. A lot of things that we enter into, believe into, but we don't know its meaning. I just saw a couple of people purchase palms. Okay, today is Palm Sunday, as we call it in this nation. Okay, I don't want to call it a Catholic nation, but we are a Christian nation. But some have this tradition of buying palms today because it is Palm Sunday. And as soon as you have purchased them, you allow your palms to be watered so that it can be blessed, it can be holy, and that you can put it on your doorpost so that when Mumu comes, <laughs> right? When the Mumu comes... He will go away. Is there such a thing as mumu? Maybe your spouse is the mumu. You can use that palm to hit your spouse. A lot of things also that we see scattered along the streets, probably in Tondo or uh, I, I remember when we used to go uh, up north to Ilocos in our province. We pass by Tarlac, you pass by... Uh, 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 Pangasinan and, and you know, up until La Union probably, and you would see a lot of these things. Doing the so-called sacrifice because they are saying that if they do it, there will be forgiveness of sins. Now the question is, whose sins anyway? We've seen people be allowing themselves to be nailed on the cross. These are cute little nails. Not even, you know, uh, it, it doesn't even compare to the real nails that was driven in the hands and the feet of Jesus Christ. When he allowed himself to be nailed on the cross, these are far more, you know, it's, it's cute. It's too cute. Too cute for Jesus. Too cute for him to handle. But they do this out of custom, out of tradition. We do not understand we do not understand the significance of what we see. We do not understand the significance of what we are doing. People really are reenacting everything. And in every portrayal, it seems like, oh, okay, we have already uh, made ourselves a sacrifice of the sins that we have done in the past year. It's a renewal thing. Because next year, I'm going to do these things again. We do not understand the significance of the cross. What is it really to us? Why did Jesus die on the cross for us? We're entering a holy week, not understanding its meaning. But one thing is sure, that God made His one and only Son holy week, so that we may gain that victory so that we may be forgiven of our sins, so that we may not receive the punishment that is due us because of what we have done in the past. Holy Week. His body was full of blood. You know, you, you, we don't understand how the, the kind of whips that hit Jesus' body. It ripped off His skin. 
You know, and, and even as, as described in Bible, that his face was marred, it was disfigured. You cannot understand already how he looks. Have you seen a people, uh, someone who has been, you know, yung nagulpi na siya ng gusto and he still recognize his face? Diba, konti lang. But Jesus was very unrecognizable. We just don't understand that. If you've watched the movie Passion of the Christ, it's still far too cute. We don't realize the gravity, the very thing that Jesus had to go through. There was a divine exchange. It was an unfair deal. He exchanged our sins for His righteousness. If I am going to buy a product from one of the stores, the certain amount is this, you know, and I want to exchange it for something that is really expensive, I cannot do that because that is an unfair exchange. But Jesus doesn't mind exchanging His righteousness for our sins. And it is an offer that we should not refuse. Many people still say, What's in it for me? We had the privilege to watch a, a movie. And uh, you see the picture of a, uh, the love of a father towards his son. And I see the picture of God's love for us. A very serious movie, Kung Fu Panda 3. You know that he has lost his son for the longest time. And his dad's name is Lee. And he told his son, you know, I've lost you once. I have lost you once. I'm not going to lose you again. The very same words that our Heavenly Father is telling us. He has already lost us once and He will not lose us again. Can you please turn your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 to 4. It says here, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preach to you, which you received in which you stand, verse 2 says, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. This is the Apostle Paul. Then verse 3 says, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Let's all pray. Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Make us understand what the message of the gospel is all about. Lord, we indeed know that the gospel message is stuck in, in, in this uh, particular passage that Christ died, he was buried, and he resurrected from the dead. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher. Lord, enable us. Enable us. Open up our spiritual eyes, our spiritual ears, and even our hearts to hear, to see, and to even know to even know what is the true meaning of your death on the cross, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this gift. Thank you for the privilege to listen from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I've said, it is tucked in. It is summarized in the scripture, that, uh, what we have just read. And today we are going to study along the lines of the Apostles' Creed. And uh, we are... Uh, going to read once again that he suffered under Pontius Pilate. Jesus suffered under Pontius Pilate. He was crucified. He died, was buried, and then he descended to hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. Three important elements to understand the message of the gospel. That Jesus died, that he was buried, and he resurrected. He rose again. 
those are the three things that we are going to focus on this morning. Okay, uh, how about that part that uh, yung descended to hell? Okay, later on, I let, allow me just to uh, say a few things about that. There are things that are too important to ignore. Things that seemingly are too small, too basic, it is too common that we tend to ignore it. We tend to ignore the little things, the little details. That's just a tradition, that's just a custom that we have been doing. You know, but we don't understand it. It's just a little detail and we don't want to know further. We don't want to study further. But with these little things that we tend to ignore, it could save us. You know, it will dictate what our outcome would be in eternity. We think about our jobs. We think about business. You know, we think about getting married. That's fine. But think about eternity. What happens if we have already gotten all these things? Yes, you're married. Yes, you have a lot of things. Yes, you've, you've made a name for yourself. But if there is something lacking in us, then what would be the outcome of our eternity? Like, for example, what is really the cross for us? Some of us have used it as symbols. Some of us have used it as pendants. You know, I, I, I also, once in high school, uh, I was seeing this cute little cross. You know, Dad, I, Papa, sabi ko, can I wear that? It's something that we wear as necklaces. You know, we wear them in, in our bodies. Some piercing, sometimes in the nose, in the, uh, what do you call this, in the, on the lip and here on the eyebrow. You know, that hurts. Printed in shirts. And worst of all, it has already become a fashion statement. Not really, really realizing that when we see the cross, there is a much, much deeper meaning than it being a fashion statement. Realize that at the time of Jesus, that the cross is where criminals are being punished. Sinners, wicked people. It's like an electric chair in modern times. So when people see that you have a cross hanging on your neck, oh wow, that's a cute little electric chair. The cross means death. You know, it's not a cute thing. It's not even a fashion statement. But when you see the cross, it is used to punish criminals. So how come Jesus, who is the Son of God, who lived a sinless life, we find Him, you know, being nailed on the cross. Is, was he really a criminal? I guess you know the answer. He is not. He is our savior. He took everything. Many of us, we want to go to heaven. Who wants to go to heaven? Come on, come on, come on. Be, be proud. Go on. Right now, right now. Going to heaven right now. Okay, I saw you, I saw you. Okay, okay. Caught you there. Caught you there. Everyone wants to go to heaven, but we all refuse to die. Now, I'm not talking about physical death. I'm not talking about the physical, physical death. All of us, we are destined to die physically. We want a certain benefit. We want the benefit of going to heaven, but we don't understand. We don't want the conditions that come with it. Do you know that if we want to go to heaven, we have to die to ourselves. We have to die to our sins. 
no one is going to allow you to get to heaven if you're, you, you're like a filthy rag, you know, entering the holiness of heaven. When my wife has already cleaned the house so much and here I am, you know, coming from a bike ride, probably so putik and, and, and all, I will never, I, I cannot enter that house. She's going to tell me, my wife's going to tell me, stay there, stay there. Take a bath outside. Romans 6, uh, 23, a very familiar verse. And this is, uh, you know, one of the main scriptures that we see also in one-to-one during our discipleship. It clearly says here that for the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. All of us, we have lived a sinful life. All of us, we we had lived a sinful life. Or probably there are still some of us who are still living a sinful life. And yet, we don't get to realize that there is a consequence to a sinful life. We've heard this over and over again. But we need to remind ourselves, the consequences, the wages of sin is death. But the scripture, it doesn't stop there. Because it says here, but! The free gift of God is eternal life. It is a free gift. It is something that is being offered to us, you know, without any payment. You don't have to do anything. The people, Tarlac, you know, whatever that you are doing there, you know, under the heat of the sun, may may pakung bakya that you will allow to, you know, uh, have it pierced in your hands. You don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to do any sacrifice. It is a gift that we have to accept. That free gift is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's something that we should be excited about. I am excited. I don't know about you. But we should be excited about it. In 1 Corinthians 15, 1-2, just going back to the scripture that we have read. The Apostle Paul, and I've highlighted this, in the first line he said that now... I would remind you, I would remind you, he's reminding us just in case we forget. He's reminding us just in case that we do not know or are ignorant about the fact that something is being given to us and we are just neglecting it. We're not looking at it. We're not listening. I don't want it. But for those who have already received it, once again, we should also remind ourselves, we are, you know, we, we, we need to Read the scripture, Apostle Paul is reminding us. We're being reminded. I wish to remind you, the Apostle Paul says. He goes on to say that, Of the gospel I preach to you, which you received, and then in which you stand. We have received, we have believed in, and made it as a foundation of our life and of our faith. He goes on to say that you are being saved if you hold fast to the word. Being saved, if you hold fast, if you embrace, if you really, in Tagalog, I'm sorry, I just can't find the right words in English, but in Tagalog, yung ninanam na talaga, wow, Lord, this is good. The word that I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Unless that we believe in vain, meaning that it, it, it's really without success or it is without result. Take note of the word there, believed. Believed. 
in John 3, the word believe or believes is mentioned at least three times in verses 15, 16, and 36. All we have to do is just to believe. In verse 15, it says that whoever believes in Him, whoever believes in Christ may have eternal life. Again, the very familiar verse, verse 16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes, again, whoever believes, shall not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Three times that it was mentioned in the same chapter. The Apostle John is trying to, you know, he, he is communicating something to us. But all we have to do is just to believe. In verse 3, the Apostle Paul goes on to say, For I delivered to you, for I preached to you, for I taught you as a first importance what I also received. I just remembered, you know, during our time in, in, in our short uh, mission trip, we have a message. We, we, it's, it's not that they don't, our, our missionaries, but we have a message as well, that we are helping them, co-laboring with them. That we are delivering to them what has been delivered to us, and this is of first importance. When it says there that this is important, it means do not ignore it, neither to be ignorant of it, because you have to listen to this. This is important for all of us. Important for you and for me. Some people not just ignore it. They reject it outright because it contradicts. It contradicts with their science theories. You know, it, it, it goes against their humanistic philosophies. And it runs counter to their immoral and wicked culture. But considering all that Paul wrote and taught, which are many, you know, he boldly proclaimed, listen, listen, this is the most important of all. What is really the significance of what Christ did for us? Number one, it is his death, and his death is a requirement for our redemption. I go back to verse 3, where it says here that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the Scriptures. In accordance with the Scriptures. Meaning that there was a reference Meaning that there was a prophecy that was mentioned before. 700, at least 700 years before Christ came here to earth as a human being. In Isaiah 53, verses 4 to 8. And it says here, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed Him, him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He underwent everything, every sacrifice, those nails, those, those whips, and the crown of thorns. He was wounded for, for us, for the things that we have done. He was crushed for our iniquities, and upon him was the chastisement. Upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. The very thing that we have, you know, that we have done, someone paid for it already. I, I don't know, no, I, I don't know if you've ever experienced, you know, having a big debt and you cannot pay for it. Have you incurred a debt already? 
millions, no hundreds of thousands, but we did. It was really very hard. You know, it cost us a lot of stress. We really, you know, it almost made us think of a lot of things. We could have probably ended our life. But with just one statement, one statement from someone, I am going to take care of your debt. But those millions are nothing compared to what Jesus Christ did for us. Upon Him was the punishment that brought us peace. And with the stripes that, he, that we are healed. We are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Pastor Ryan was mentioning about, you know, if you do something to my children, you know, you just, lagot kayo sa akin, parang something like that. But a heavenly father, a loving father, how can he do that to his only son? It is because of his love for you and me. It is because that he doesn't want us to be eternally separated. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. When things happen in our lives, we are a people who automatically complain. We are a people who automatically grumble. We talk a lot, we say a lot of things, yet, you know, even not being sure of what to do, but as long as we open up our mouth, that's, I, I think that's fine for us. But Jesus did not even complain. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people, Yes, all of these things that He did for us. All these were prophesied. Violent sufferings and indescribable pain were completed in the death of Jesus. You know, if I, if I were with, with, with those or in fact with, with the people at this time, you know, I, I see someone who's really, you know, masahol pa sa akin. I would say, you know, mahiya naman tayo, mahiya tayo. Shame on us for doing such things. And then still continuing on to believe that, you know, there will be miracles in our lives. So what are we doing with ourselves? What are we doing with our family? What are we doing with our relationships? Husband and wife, you know, the, the parents towards their children. These are just, you know, it's, it's one part of our life. These are relationships. And how about the other things? Taking care of the business. God has appointed us and assigned us a lot of things for us to handle, you know, for His glory, honor, and praise. But what are we doing? Jesus was whipped 39 times with a Roman whip. I could have downloaded a picture, an ac- a more accurate picture, but I wasn't. I wasn't. That very whip that, that, that you know, that it destroyed the skin of our Lord. He was, he, he was crowned with thorns three to six inches in length. Crown of thorns. Let's say about this, this big being put on your head. He carried a very heavy and rugged, a rough cross. You know, he was nailed with a six to eight inch Roman nails. 
I don't know if that can even be compared to the nails that we see on railroad tracks. Have you seen railroad tracks? It has big nails, really big nails. Those were about the nails that was driven in his hands and his feet. He was pierced with a spear on the side. And so much more unimaginable things that happened to him, you know, in the process. We just don't know how it is to be crucified on the cross. And probably, you know, in the studies, uh, he, he was not, his feet was not rested, you know, on a platform. But imagine how he would breathe, that he would just allow himself, his body to, 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 to be lifted up so that he could breathe. And then just release that breathing. And then the problem, that, that caused a lot of pain. It caused a lot of pain. Those very things that he has done was supposed to be me and you. In First Peter 2.24, it says here that he himself, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, by the shedding of his blood, we are healed. Not only physical healing, because our souls have been decaying, decaying already. That's why in, in Tagalog, di ba, when, when, when we hear this, boy ka pa, nasusunog na yung kaluluwa mo. While we are still physically alive, you know, our souls are already burned in hell. Why did Jesus have to go through all of this? Yes, want to save us. Yes, want to forgive us. Yes, want to redeem us. Yes, to reconcile us. Yes, you know, to restore us back to God. Why, why, why? Why all these things? Why such grave penalty? There is a cause for all of these uh, things to be done because of the seriousness of our sin. Sin is very serious. You know, we, we think the small sin, big sin, in, uh, it has a lot of difference. No, small sin is a sin. You, we, we, we allow ourselves to, to steal, you know, one peso. We, we, we get caught, you know, against someone who steals one million pesos. And it's the same. It's the same crime. It's the same sin. You know, between, again, again uh, 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 probably a man, a husband. You know, I just peeped. I didn't do anything. But it causes us to sin. It is a sin. Let us not be cute about peeping. Even with your thoughts and your eyes, it will cause us to sin, the sin of adultery. Even with just one look. Many, feels, many people feel that holiness is boring and then sin is exciting. And as long as you are not hurting other people with your sin, then it is just okay. And in fact, there are many people who are living in sin and yet they are okay. But let us not be deceived. You know, a time will come when all of us will be judged. All of us will be given an account to God. All our sins will have its corresponding grave penalty. Was Christ's death necessary? Yes, it is. Because of His death, there will be freedom now from sin. There will be freedom from bondages and curses, family patterns. There will be freedom, you know, from the pattern of adultery. There will be freedom of pattern of infidelity. There's a freedom of, uh, from the pattern of lack, of early death, idolatry, and so on and so forth. Name all the sins. It was necessary for Christ to die. I would just like to read a version of what uh, Pastor Ryan exhorted earlier, and it's Matthew 26, uh, 39, that it is the same. Father, Father, Jesus was praying. If it is possible, let this cup pass from me. You know, I just, 
in his human state, human mind, you know, he's 100% God and 100% man. At that moment, he was man and he, and he says, let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will. He could have, you know, made a magic, a magic moment, poof, I'm gone, I'm out of here. I will not fulfill anymore what the Father has called me to do. But he said, not as I will, but as you will. And so with that prayer that we are confident that Jesus always prayed according to the will of the Father. And that He will always pray with fullness of faith. It is God's very will for His Son to die a gruesome death. You know, a horrible experience for for the salvation of you and me and our families. Secondly, what is the significance of what Jesus did? His burial, it upholds the truthfulness of Scripture. 1 Corinthians 15.4, that part that he was buried. And we refer back once again to Isaiah, the prophecy where it says here, And they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. The burial of Jesus is a public proof and declaration that he indeed died. He did not just disappear, just like what the Sanhedrin, you know, wanted it to appear or other heretics wanted us to believe. He was born in the flesh. He died in the flesh. People who are dead, you just don't leave them there, you know, tamaba, because you have you have to bury a body. Jesus being buried was a proof of His incarnation in the flesh. He's not a ghost that seems like having a body or a spirit that is left, you know, that is left on the crucifixion or in the cross. His burial, that body, is also a metaphor that in His burial, our sins has been done with as well. He died for our sins. He was buried. Our sins have been forgiven. Our sins have been done. No more condemnation of the past. It is as if that we have not sinned. Tama ba? Aren't you, you know, just so excited about that fact? Even with, with whatever that we have done before, when Christ said, I'm dying for you, and this is for the forgiveness of your sins, and you may enter the kingdom of my Father, aren't you excited about that fact? Come on now. Why don't we take a look at, at this part in, in, in the Apostle Creed, Apostles' Creed that you know, he, he, they mentioned about he descended to hell. Originally, this was not included. This was not part of the creed, but somehow, uh, maybe centuries or years later, it was put in there. Did Christ really deserve the punishment of hell? Was he really there? Is it that, you know, sobra na ba talaga na, na ganon that he have has to experience hell. You know, a lot of scholars or theologians have this view that, uh, a lot of views, many views, and it will take a whole new teaching in another session. That's why I cannot, I, I, I cannot go on further on this teaching because as I've said earlier, I am going to focus on the three elements, the death, the, bur- the burial, and the resurrection. But, you know, despite all these views, Everyone agrees about the reality that there is indeed a hell. It is a place of torment. 
at least two things that they agree on. That one, hell is a literal, physical place of torment. It's not fiction. It is not something na baka hindi naman ako pupunta dyan eh. And number two, a dead person has no second chance of redemption after he dies. I just want to uh, breeze through quickly in, in Luke 16 just to give a point that there is a hell and this is the story uh, where uh, two people, there was a rich man who was clothed with in, in, in purple and fine linen and who has feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate, there was a poor man named Lazarus cover, covered with sores. Okay, uh, both men you know, have uh, different living conditions. He desired to be fed uh, what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. This poor man uh, died and was carried by the, by the angels to Abraham's side, while the rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment. You know, this, this, this rich man, he, he, he went to hell. He, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue. That is probably a description of how hot hell is. And what he says, that even that, that small portion, even that little finger, please dip water there and put it in my tongue so that I can be refreshed even a bit. I don't know how it is, how hot it is, what it looks like in hell because I don't want to go to hell. I'm not going to read that anymore. But there is a reality to hell. Now, how do, we, how do we choose to live out our lives? We are given every chance of repentance and asking God for forgiveness. But again, how do we live out our lives? In Hebrews 9.27, in support of the other one, that when, when you know, the, if, if one has been judged already, that's it. Hebrews 9.27, And just as it is appointed for the man to die once, and after, it already comes judgment. Dead people no longer has second chances, chances of repentance. There is not even a theology or a study or a doctrine of purgatory. We grew up that there is the first floor, that there is the second floor, and then there is the third floor. Commonly, the second floor is called the waiting area. That's why in those 40 days when people die, remember, you know, let's pray for the soul off. Maybe our prayers can, you know, can, can help push the soul of this person to go up to heaven. No, 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 no. It's, it doesn't work that way. When we live out our lives, it's, 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 we are accountable directly to the Lord. You know, we don't say anything. When I die, you pray for me. It is not also automatic that when you come into church and have not yet received the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't give you salvation. Not unless you confess it with your mouth. Unless you say it. Unless we declare it. Hell is real. A place of torment. But here is the truth. The third one and the last point. The significance is resurrection. It is a declaration of our victory. In 1 Corinthians 15, it says here that He was raised on the third day in accordance with scriptures. We refer back to the verse to verse 10 of uh, Isaiah 53. It says here, yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He was put he has put him to to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. 
You see, this is a fulfillment of God's will. To be a sacrifice. A son, his son, a sacrifice. The guilt offering that was offered to provide healing for those who pray in faith. What are we waiting for? And while I am saying, saying this message, while I am delivering this, the Lord is speaking to you right now. What is stopping you from receiving the Lord Jesus Christ? What is stopping each and every one of us from, you know, just celebrating in heaven together? What is stopping us? I don't know if, if there's still a, you know, the concept of family in heaven, but you know, when we get up to heaven, at the end of it all, it's going to be a, just a celebration. Acts 2, 24 to 26, it says here, God raised him, losing the pants. Losing the painful emotion. The painful emotion of death because it was not possible for him to be held by, to be, to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for it is, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Now therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope. You know everyone, there is hope. There is hope in Christ. We will dwell also in hope. The resurrection of Jesus is a proof that He is not just an ordinary man. That He is God. Not no, that no spiritual leader of any religion that lived to ever claim that He died and rose again from the grave. You know, only Jesus. It's only Jesus. So either... Jesus is a fake, you know, he's crazy. He is not what he claims to be, or Jesus is true. It's, it's your choice, your choice to believe. 1 Corinthians 15, 55, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? This blood of Christ that exposed our sins needed to be renounced, that needed to be dealt with. And then lastly, Philippians 2, 8 to 11. And it says here uh, that being found in human form, he, Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. And therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That each and every one of us, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's just one take-home main point for us this morning is this. That the victory in our lives has been made possible by Christ's death burial, resurrection. It's not even about what we did, what we can do, who we are. It's not about our names. But it's only by the death of Christ that we have been reconciled with the Heavenly Father. Lord, I just pray. I pray, God. I do not pray that People will be convicted. I don't pray that people will be guilty. I don't want to pray that, you know, just people will just come up here just for the sake of, you know, I prayed and you, you come up here. It's, it's their decision. 
people's decision. But even right now, even if we confess ourselves as Christians, Lord, allow us, allow us to live out lives that bring you glory, honor, and praise. Lord, thank you that by your death, burial, and resurrection, that we can receive victory. Victory, Lord, in our lives, in our family. Victory for as long as we are living here on earth. We're just waiting for that moment that we will be with you in heaven. Thank you once again in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to one of our podcasts. We hope it blesses and inspires you to honor God and make disciples. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph or download the Victory app for free on the iTunes Store or Google Play. If you would like to share a story of God's faithfulness in your life, please visit victory.org.ph slash my story.